baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 971 FM Talk Podcast. All right, Trish is in the studio. We were just sitting here talking about the, the chicken conspiracy. We were. It's pretty fascinating, isn't it? It's intriguing. It it's just there's just a lot there. And uh I, I that stuff I don't know. Like you just never know because you can't ever find that's the thing about all conspiracies mm-hmm. is that there's always some truth to them, and the worst ones have like a kernel of truth and then just built around a bunch of crap. But the best ones, you really can never confirm or deny them mm-hmm. because that's why there's still theories. You, you can't fully test everything. Yeah, they're very much like rumors. They're yes. usually uh, they're rooted in truth. Yes. But they're... There's a lot of like messiness along the way as that message gets spread. Yeah. And then you can never really find the source of it. Yeah. And I'm talking about true conspiracy mm-hmm. theory. I'm not talking about stuff with Pfizer and COVID for the last few years that people just didn't want to look into information. Like that Are we stuff. We're talking flat earth. No. <laughs> yes. That's what we're talking mm-hmm. Like we're talking about the real, the fun conspiracy mm-hmm. theories, which I don't know if the chicken one's fun, but it falls into that category of. Hmm. It's timely. Yeah. Right now. Whereas the the you know, all the COVID stuff and some of the election stuff, that stuff is more like why won't people look at you know, that's that's almost like a different category mm-hmm. of not even conspiracy theory, but just sort of like narrative busting. This is to me classic conspiracy theory stuff. So if you missed that, go back to the beginning of the show and hear what we're talking about. But in Re- the meantime... Rewind on the Odyssey app. You could do that too. That's up to you. That's a great way to do it. Trisha is is plugging something there I'm not really familiar with. Can you explain this thing? I don't sure. Know. You download the Odyssey, mm. Odyssey app and you can get all of your podcasts like Wiggins America and you can follow the station and then you'll get updates on when... Wiggins America publishes a podcast, Ooh. and you could also go to your favorite show, Wiggins America, and rewind to the time when Ryan talked about chickens Ooh. and hear all about the conspiracy theory yourself. Just flows off the tongue. Favorite show, Wiggins America. Love hearing that. I want to talk to you about Al Gore. We ran out of time to do this last week. So these clips actually are not from this week. They're from the end of last week. At that conference, right? At the Davos World yeah. Economic mm-hmm. Forum, Forum. When he <clears throat> he kind of lost his mind a little bit in the middle of that thing. And I've got a couple of clips here. I'll, I'll play the first one because I think the second one got a little bit more attention. We can play that too. But here's the first one. Young people around the world are looking at what we're doing. They look at the World Bank and they say, oh, you've got a climate denier in charge of the World Bank. So why are you surprised that the World Bank is completely failing to do its job? Secretary General says that. Everybody knows the World Bank is failing badly. Okay. Everybody knows. Yeah, a couple questions. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, first of all, there's a climate denier in charge of the World Bank right now? <laughs> Everybody knows it. Oh, oh. Uh, B, what is the World Bank? <laughs> I don't know, but it's failing because of poor leadership. I guess uh, the and it does seem a little weird to me personally that the purpose of the World Bank, which apparently exists, 
according to Al Gore and everybody he knows and everybody knows this, is to combat climate change. Doesn't seem like to me the word bank and fighting climate change really equal same purpose. Part of it is you don't understand. Is it? Yeah. Well, that's why you're here. You don't get it. Okay. Can you explain? Is it too far above me? It might be over your head. So we'll just mm-hmm. leave it. Yeah, just just know that everybody else knows that the World Bank is led by a climate denier and it's failing. You're being very gracious to me right now because what you could have done is explain something that clearly I was not going to understand. You would not have understood and it just... I would have looked like an idiot. I know. And I wouldn't do that to you on everybody's favorite show, Wiggins America. <laughs> I really appreciate that. So here's the the second clip that's... You know, gotten a little bit more attention because he really does uh, come off the rails here. Promises of the last few years to cut emissions, emissions are still going up. That's what's boiling the oceans, creating these atmospheric rivers and the rain bombs and causing these waves of climate refugees. Look at the xenophobia and political authoritarian trends that have come from just a few million refugees. What about a billion? We would lose our capacity for self-governance on this world. We have to act. So, uh, rain bombs. Mm-hmm. Heard that in there. Yeah. Again, one of those things I'm not really over familiar with. Okay. Mm-hmm. It literally is over my head. Mm-hmm. Unless rain bombs are something that comes up from the ground. I don't really know. I know you don't know. And I'm not going to know. Mm-mm. No, you won't. <laughs> Even though you do know. You clearly do know. I know and everybody else knows. Right. But not me. Right. Uh, and that's okay. We, mm-hmm. we can just leave that. But when we were... now. You and I are sharing an office right now, which is not common. Mm-mm. Normally, I have to nope. walk over to bother you, and mm-hmm. right now, I can just turn to you and just say, "Hey, Trisha." It's great. It's so great. Is it? Are you I'll sure? Be right in the middle of something, you'll be like, "Hey," and I'm like, <laughs> "Hey." So you were cutting these clips in our office mm-hmm. last week, and I'm like, "What the heck is Al Gore doing?" Mm-hmm. And you started telling me some story about grade school that I, I'm like, "Well, you got to tell this story." Well, now. it's the inconvenient truth. Have you ever seen that? Parts of it. I've never watched the whole thing. Yeah, I had to watch it in school. Oh, yeah. But not in science class where you'd think, oh, the science teacher has gone rogue and they're going to make them watch an in- The Inconvenient Truth and everybody's into Al Gore at this time. It was it was the like the cool new movie and everybody was like, whoa, This is when you were in grade school? No, or? I was in high school. High school. I had to watch it in, in an English class. Why? Because my teacher, my English teacher was passionate about it. So she took the day. And canceled the lesson plan and made us watch An Inconvenient Truth. So she, your English teacher in high school, mm-hmm. saw Inconvenient Truth and yep. thought, this is the most important thing mm-hmm. for the world. Mm-hmm. I need to, as an English teacher, yep. depart from the subject that I teach. Yep. At least for a day. I can't read, write, or, and I know nothing about Shakespeare, but I have seen An Inconvenient Truth. At the time, now, right now... That stuff is under a little more scrutiny, I think. Uh, not just agenda, not just like the um, sexual agenda stuff, because we talk about that, but really agenda teaching mm-hmm. is under a microscope, and I'm glad about that. Yeah. Uh, it's a good thing, because this stuff's been going on for years, and now people are finally catching up and going, come on! Yeah. But when you had this happen, you're in high school, what, what, what is going through your mind as a high school student at that moment. I just want to know. I mean, I don't remember. That's I I don't remember but that. But your reaction to you had to have some sort of you remember it still today. I remember having to watch it and thinking, "Huh, 
Like, I, I mean, I was bored at the time. I don't know. So you weren't thinking, oh, I'm being preached to here. We no. shouldn't be doing this. No, which is actually probably even scarier about the indoctrination part of it because I didn't think anything of it. Wow. I was like, oh, this is a movie we're watching in class. It must be real. And We give high school students too much credit. 100%. Like that they can make a lot of adult decisions mm-hmm. that they clearly cannot. I started watching that, uh, the Netflix documentary about the brain and the mind. Oh. And have you seen that at all? Uh, I know what you're talking about, there's but I haven't one, seen it. There's one about teenage brains and the gray matter and how it doesn't actually fully cover your brain and solidify your brain until you're like 25. So when mm-hmm. you're in high school, when you're a teenager still, you're still making decisions based off the impulse part of your brain and not the logic part of your brain, which oh. is at the front. Interesting. The front of your brain is where the like reasoning happens. Yeah. And it's not completely formed yet. Huh. So we are actually giving high schoolers too much credit. And we don't, I mean, they can't. And we just don't giving know. into their impulses. And we're just like, okay, cool. Wow. That's so, what you're making a case for is that vo- the voting age would be raised. Sure. I mean, you inadvertently. Could, somebody could make that case. And and the opposite is said all the time. Well, if, if people can drive, then they should be able to mm-hmm. uh to vote. I don't I don't love that there's difference in age from take driving out of it because I think you could probably I don't know, I guess driving might be part of it. I don't like that there's a difference between drinking, driving, voting and serving in the military. I don't either. I think that those we should pick something and kind of level that out. It's yeah, it's hard. I, I would say the easiest way to do that would just be to pick 18 mm-hmm. and say 18 for all of it or 21 for all of it. Yep. The only one that that does make some more sense to me is military service because you can be ready for military service um, as a soldier, not necessarily as a decision maker, but as a soldier, I think at a younger age than 21. Possibly, but I don't think it's fair to let people serve our country and then not let them have all the freedoms that our country has to offer. I think that's a, that's a very good point. That's a very good argument. And then, but then the other side of me goes, oh yeah, but uh, if you take away driving at 16, then uh, the whole fast food industry is going to collapse, you know? (laughs) (laughs) What about my Big Macs? So, uh, you know, I get a little selfish and say, but you know what's weird is that there's a, uh, there's a movement, like I think the average age of when I was in high school that people got their driver's license was pretty much 16th birthday. And has been for generations in the United States. But that's ticking upward now. Did you know that? Kids don't care anymore. They don't care. We didn't have the ride-sharing abilities that they do now, and I think that's a big part of it. I think if I would have had the option to have uh, somebody else take me to those parties on the back roads and then pick me up and make it home safely. Man, that's a good point. I never would have thought about the ride-share thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I was always under the impression that this this thing was because kids are so much more connected through technology that they don't really need to go see each other as much. No, I think they just have easy. They have ways where they don't have to drive. See, I thought the opposite. I mean, I think what you're saying is true. I think what you're. I think the point you're about to make is true as well. But I, I like. Do kids even go to parties as much as they used to? <sighs> I don't know the answer to that. Why don't you? Why don't you go to a kid's party dressed up like a kid? And be like, what's up, kids? I'm one of you. And then kind of do a poll. I do actually this weekend have a You're going to one? Yeah. Well, (laughs) it's a grown-up party, but the theme is the year this guy graduated high school. So it's his birthday party. Okay. And we're going dressed. He graduated high school in 2007. So I've spent all week leading up to this weekend 
Googling how I dressed in 2007 to dress for this theme party tonight. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Mm-hmm. That you can, it doesn't seem like there was an, you look back at the 80s, the 70s, 60s, 90s, and you go, there's a style to that. But when you think about the 2000s, I don't think that there is a style. But when you look it up, you're like, actually, there is. Yeah, the double popped collar. Do you remember that? No. So. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. In high school, we were layering shirts, layering polo shirts, yeah. usually from Abercrombie or American Eagle, and we'd pop both collars. Oh, so this you was, were cool. I was not cool then. Yeah. Well, I'm, I was still I'm tight sure. rolling my jeans in 2012. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Old man. Uh, <laughs> you were cool if you had not one pop collar, but two popped collars. I would beg to differ. I'm not sure a pop collar was ever cool. It was super cool. I think it was cool in your social circle. If one circle. was cool, two was cooler. No, the internet says it. Well, the internet is uh, figured out your algorithm then. It's all about you. It is. I want to share some good news with you here, but first we got to get through the bad news to get to the good news. It's just like life. Life is very similar. So my, lay, lay, let me, <laughs> lay I, encourage you that if you're in that season right now, that if you're in a, a down, a dark season, usually what God's got is that he takes you through these things to get you to something better. That is, in fact, one of the primary tenets of even having faith is perseverance. You got to believe that after the bad comes the good. Otherwise, what you're serving is kind of a vindictive, um, negative, evil God. (laughs) And uh, that is not God. God, in fact, takes you through tough things to get you to good things. Now, it may not be the good thing that you're expecting on the other side of this valley, but it is good. It may just be creating something in you that you didn't have before for eternity. Wow. Didn't expect to start the segment that way, but here we are. Uh, I'm actually talking about schools in this segment, and I'm talking about just getting through some of the negative things that I have to share with you to get to the good news here. So let's start with this. I've got, oh, let's see here. I've got three clips. Now, I got to set this up because the way I actually heard Dana Lash do this on Thursday night And I thought the clip was just weird, and the audio didn't really make a whole lot of sense. So when it came up in my own feed, this same video, I watched it, and I was like, oh, this is what Dana was talking about. But the way it's presented, so they, they just played it as is. And it's a video that looks like it came from a school district. And I, I can't tell you where the school district was. in Somewhere in the United States. I know that. It's domestic, not foreign. And they presented this as a positive thing, which, of course, it is not. It is about gender ideologies and the sexualization of, in this case, very, very young children who are not thinking about sex or gender ideology at all until you force them to. And that is why it's so sad. So I have broken this up into three clips so that it's a little bit easier to understand Um, Because they go back and forth in the actual video between this woman in the classroom with a puppet 
and then her talking with other fa- it looks like faculty members about what she experienced when she was telling all these kids about gender ideology in the classroom. So I'll play this first clip and I'll kind of explain what's going on. The only thing you need to know about this one is that she calls the kids huckleberries, which is whatever, but she also refers to the puppet that she has as they. So it's a little bit confusing. That's why I had to explain it. Here you go. Huckleberries, today I wanted to introduce you to a new friend in our class. Well, this Huckleberries is my friend Nash. It's their first day in our class. They're just looking around at all of you, and they're so curious to know who you all are. So again, she's referring to the puppet, which is a singular puppet, as they, which is confusing. I mean, if you're just a kid trying to learn pronouns, take the politics out of it, and you say, that's that's confusing. I don't refer to one person as they. I refer to a group of person people as they. So already we're off to a bad start. Here's clip number two. And the friend likes to ask the question, are you a boy or a girl? And Nash answers, I'm just a kid. But a kid, but kids can be boys or girls. They can be boys or girls. Or yeah. Or maybe non-binary. Yeah. So the kids now, these are, I think these are kindergartners. They look very young. Maybe even earlier than that, but they're at oldest, they're kindergartners. And you can hear in that clip that she says this puppet has a a certain gender ideology that is non-binary. And before she even gets there, the other kids are saying, well, you could call it they. And the one kid's like, a kid can be a boy or girl. Well, yeah, they can, um, but they can also be a they. And the other kid goes, or a non-binary. So they've already been indoctrinated with this. And if you think that's bad enough, just consider, I mean, even I'm trying to talk to somebody who's not already on board with this, because I had a feeling if you're already listening to this, you probably already are like, I know how I feel about this, Ryan, and I know that it's happening. But if you're if you're not, if you're maybe tuning in because you hate listening to 97.1 or something like people watch Tucker Carlson because they hate him, then my question for you is, do you understand that these children are not thinking about their gender ideology at all? and do not need to. We, you are force-feeding them to do that. You're throwing these kids into the deep end of the pool before they can swim. Here's the last clip. Yeah, just like me. So Nash, just like me, is non-binary. So they aren't sure if they're a boy or a girl. So when people ask them, are you a boy or a girl? Right now, they just feel like saying, I'm a kid. They're figuring it out. Why does he like, does he like stars? Does he like stars? They like stars. They like stars. Yeah. And they are really... They wore their star shirt because it's their favorite shirt. And because they were nervous today, they thought they would wear something that makes them feel special. I mean, listen to that. I don't need to tell you that kids are just going to mimic whatever they're told. But you hear it there. A little girl is going, why is he wearing star shirt or does he like stars? And then the teacher, who is non-binary, says they like stars, corrects the kids. It's not he. They like stars, which is just grammatically incorrect, first of all. And then they repeat it. They like stars. And they all go, they like stars. 
it's so sad because it's on full display that these kids, they don't know. They don't know. They're just doing what they're told. And we're trying to sexualize and genderize them in ways that are so far beyond their capacity, especially when they're that young. It's so sad. So I said I'd get to the good news, though. The good news is both Iowa and Utah this week have passed bills advocating for school choice. Not just advocating, but passing it. It is now a statewide law in Iowa, for instance, that $8,000 goes to the kid, not to the school. You can choose to spend it wherever you want. So if you don't like that ideology being taught, you can take it elsewhere. That is fantastic news. States are beginning to pass this much faster than I anticipated, and it is very, very good. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be right back. All right, Old Roy is here on Wiggins America. Old Roy... Welcome to your weekend. Thank you. You know, it's a very busy time for you with your bar, Tulligans. How are things going, by the way? I mean, update us. Going great. We are we are having, uh, the, well, it's a typical January post-holiday slowdown. Yeah. But people seem to enjoy it. They're coming in, and, and we're having a lot of fun. Well, I've been, and I've actually talked to other people who have been now. Um, who didn't know that I knew you, hmm. and who said, oh, I went to this new bar in, in Highland, and I said, I think I probably know what that was. <laughs> and they, everybody just says it's it's such a great, it's such a great atmosphere. You've created a really neat place. It's, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so there's your, uh, there's your plug for Tulligans in Highland if you wanted to stop by there this weekend sometime. Uh, I have a, now this isn't serious questions, but this is a scenario that I presented on the Annie Fry Show probably about a week and a half ago. And I wanted to present to you because we had to rush through it with very little time in the segment. I said, I'm not wasting all the research I did on that. <laughs> I'm going to use it on old Roy. <clears throat> and everybody knows that you, I mean, you, you kind of have this air about you. That I don't need to explain this. But you are v- whip, whip smart, quick, picture of health. If anybody's going to survive, <laughs> if, any, if anybody's going gonna, gonna to survive an apocalyptic scenario, you would be it. Uh, that's one way to put it. Yeah. So I thought we'd walk through this apocalyptic scenario, and you could tell me how you would respond to these situations. Okay. And I could tell you whether you would survive. Got it. Now, we're, we're actually just talking about one. This isn't like <clears throat> zombie apocalypse. This is a real computer model situation done by the University of Nicosia in Cyprus. They created a commu- computer model of the impacts of a 750 kiloton rated warhead mm-hmm. detonated over or in a typical city. Okay. And what would happen to the population? So the explosion would vaporize instantly anybody caught within the initial fireball, which is roughly a half mile wide from this. And we're assuming I'm not in that. You're not in that. Okay. Okay. What we're assuming is that you, Old Roy, are within three miles of that blast. Okay. So you're not incinerated in the boom, in the fire, but you're you're within the 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 radius of three miles, which is the the real blast zone. Okay. You have ten seconds from the time this thing explodes, or maybe you're given a little bit more warning like it's coming, but from the time it explodes Till the time it's going to reach you, at least the the initial the shock wave of it, mm-hmm. there's ten seconds. So, at that moment, 
boom, this thing goes off. you got 10 seconds to figure out what you're going to do. Do you, A, stay outside, B, stay in your car or get in your car, or C, go inside? Only one of these situations will you survive. Oh, this seems like a trick question. My instinct would be to stay outside and just bring it on. Let's see what you got. It's because of who you are, though. Right. Uh, I think in reality... See, I don't want to try to figure out the right answer. I want to be honest here. Yeah, what would you do? I think I would probably go inside and try to find a basement. Just go below ground if I could. Ding, ding, ding. You have survived the initial 10 seconds. Okay. Now... Now, here's why. It was because if you stayed outside or stayed in your car, the wave would kick up winds strong enough to kill or maim basically anybody who was part of that initial boom wave. <clears throat> um, it could even knock down some flimsier buildings, which means if you're in a car, you're getting tossed. Yeah. Now, I guess you could survive the blast in a car if you got lucky, but even if you're inside a building that's not a, a, a decent building, I'm not going to say like a... I'm talking about like tin shacks and like pretty bad buildings. Mm -hmm. Those things are just going to be obliterated. Now, if it has any sort of structure to it, it'll survive the initial blast within that three miles. But concrete reinforced buildings would largely remain intact. So I think you already kind of answered this question. You're already inside, so you've survived that 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. Do you go, and I guess this would still be within 10, roughly 10 seconds, 15 seconds. Do you go into the basement or do you go into another room? Basement. Basement, you got it. Okay, you're surviving. So let's say, though, that you have run into a building that does not have a basement or you can't get into the basement fast enough. Okay. <clears throat> you already know that you shouldn't be in front of a window. You figured that out because mm -hmm. it's just going to right out. So where do you go? Do you go into a doorway, a hallway, a closet, or a bathroom somewhere, like internal room? Or a big empty room with no windows. Just because I watched a lot of movies where this kind of thing happens, I think I would go into an internal room bathroom and jump in the tub. Ooh, it's it's a good instinct. And maybe being in the tub might save you. But apparently if you're in a doorway, a hallway, or a closet, or a bathroom, those internal rooms that are small... Mm -hmm. The shock of that wind that would bust out your windows is so hard <clears throat> that you wouldn't want to be in tight quarters because the wind would force you against a wall. What if my bathroom doesn't have a window? It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Okay. It would, the, the, the wind would come through so hard and so fast, <laughs> that especially if you're in a hallway or a doorway, whoosh, you're getting hit. Now, you might be able to survive that hit. But you're getting hit. If you're inside a room with the door closed, it's still going to probably knock your door down and still going to hit you pretty hard. So they say the best place to be is an in if you can't be in a basement, is an internal big room with no windows in the middle of it. Okay. Because the wind would swirl around the outsides of the room. So I think you've maybe that's, survived this, though. That's that's a tricky one because not a lot of houses have a big internal room in the center of a building. It's true. It's so, true, but, but they say if the, if you have it, that's where you go. That's where you go to the biggest room that you have with no windows. Got it. Stand in the middle of it, okay, or go to the corner of a room that does have a window away from the window because it would go around that. Okay, 
So I think you've survived this, though. Your All instincts right. are good, clearly. You're a picture of the modern man. Yeah. So let's say that you're in a low... Now, you survived this. You've survived that initial boom. Ten, ten seconds, I'm, yep. I'm good. Yeah, you survived that. A lot of people didn't, but you're you're doing okay. Let's say now, though, that you weren't in your house. You had to run into a house, and <clears throat> you were able to survive that initial shockwave... But again, there's no basement. You just took what you could get. You're in a low-quality shelter. So this mm. is one where now you know that it's, the problem is going to be the radiation. Over the next 24 hours, that's the problem. But in this moment, it's the heaviest. So it, at the very beginning, it's the heaviest. And you're, you're kind of aware of that. Mm-hmm. Do you wait in a low-quality shelter... Or do you leave and try to find better shelter? I think I would leave and look for better shelter. Keeping in mind now, now you look at, you look around, everything has been tossed everywhere. You're probably not going to be able to drive anywhere because the roads, your car's turned over, stuff's everywhere. You're probably walking or running. At best, maybe you found a bike. <laughs> so you can't get real far. Are you trying to find a basement now? <clears throat> That's what I would do. You would. Because this is the heaviest portion of radiation. But it it's it would be progressive, right? It would be because it's moving outward. So it's presumably, well, I'd, not I'd really. be able to beat the worst of it. Or is it just like... No, it's it. you're in it. Oh, okay. I'm already in it. Yeah, I mean, it's happening. Ugh. The worst of it is actually at this moment. Oh, well, then I would stay put. You would? Yeah. So you're, you're, you're gambling there because I, I don't know exactly what kind of situation you're in, but if you're in not a great building, the windows are all blown out and you're kind of going to be near air, you know, you're not going to be in a basement, you're probably best off trying to run and find something else, which you said you might do, but you got to do it within five minutes. Because if oh. you are outside for more than <clears throat> five minutes during that initial <clears throat> wave, you are toast. If I got five minutes, I'm running. Okay. Looking for a basement. Okay. So the last question is, the first 30 minutes, you're inside. <clears throat> Do you stay in the basement? Now, you found a basement. Mm-hmm. The first 24 hours is key. If you can get past the 24 hours, you can probably survive this thing. But the radiation is the heaviest in this first day. And, <clears throat> you know, you don't know what the rest of the area is going to be like, so... Shelter in place for the first 24 hours for sure if you can get that basement. The question is, do you just stay in the basement or are you trying to do things like should you shower if you can? Should you bathe? Should you be washing? That's the last question. I feel like the answer should be yes, I would do that. But I think honestly, I would err on the side that everything's contaminated and I'm just going to stay put for as mm-hmm. long as I can hold out. Yep. Uh, that's what I would do, too. But the answer is your water, if it's underground, is probably going to be okay for at least a time. You know, it, There could be infrastructure problems down the road. But at that moment, your best bet is to somewhere within that 24 hours, as quickly as you can, actually, shower. Just to get any, just to off get of it off of you. Hmm. But they say, here's how complicated it gets. Don't use shampoo or body <laughs> lotions to shower because those bind radiation to you. 
but you can use soap. So I thought we'd get into the most detail last, and it sounds like you probably have survived this thing. I am a soap guy anyway. I don't do the lotions and the good loofahs and all that stuff. So. Yeah. So I think I just survived it. Well, that's good to know that you would, uh, you would A, survive, but B, that you're not really a loofah guy whenever you're in some random stranger's basement. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Roy. Uh, we'll, we'll ca- I know you got to go, so we'll catch up with you next week. Sounds good. All right, at the end of last hour, I gave you the Tiger King update. Can't believe that I have another one. Can't believe that this story continues to go. But I have reached out to Joe Exotic for comment. I don't know what Joe Exotic could possibly tell me about what we talked about Carol Baskin's husband, but if you missed the whole thing and the whole story, this is the segment I've been updating you on all of my Tiger King stuff. So I figured I'd mention that I gave you the full update at the end of last hour, and you should rewind or get the podcast to hear the full update and the statement that Carol Baskin gave to Wiggins America. It's important. Um, Speaking of non-important news, no, sorry, speaking of important news, because that's what that was, and that's what this is. Interesting. Found this, and I wanted to play it for you. Now, you're familiar with the movie Shrek, speaking of important stories. Shrek and all of the spinoffs and all of the um, sequels and everything that go with it. Super successful franchise. I do believe it's done now. I think they've announced that Shrek's done. There's no more uh, There's no more juice in that jar. <laughs> Not a real phrase. Um, but I did find this very, very interesting thing. Chris Farley was originally supposed to play Shrek, or at least the voice of Shrek. And as you look at Shrek, you can see, yeah, maybe they did base this ogre on Chris Farley. And in fact, they did. They were trying to make this a Chris Farley animated character that was supposed to be fairy tales and fantasy and all this stuff. And Chris Farley had agreed to play it. Well, guess what? I found audio of Chris Farley doing the lines with Eddie Murphy as Donkey that they had originally planned to use. Now, now listen to this. Tell me what you think, whether they should have stuck with Chris Farley or tried to stick with Chris Farley or not, or gone with Mike Myers. And then I'll tell you why they didn't use Chris Farley after you hear this. Here you go. Yes, Shrek. It's okay. Farquaad said he'd give me my own swamp in exchange for the princess. You really think you can trust that Weasley oil rag, don't you? Hmm. Yeah, right. But now I'm going to have what he wants. <laughs> Boy, has he underestimated you. Yeah, he can join the club. People see me and they go, Ah! Help! A big, stupid, stinky, smelly, ugly ogre! I'm so scared! They judge me before they even know me. My folks always told me that everyone loves ogres. I see. So there you go, and there's there's more than that, but I thought that was just about the best clip. It's interesting, isn't it? The first time I heard it, I thought I wanted to like Chris Farley because the idea makes sense, but I had to admit Mike Myers did a much better job. Chris Farley's not really doing a voice. It's just Chris Farley doing Chris Farley. But here's the and so I'd love to know your opinion too, because I really haven't heard anybody make the case that Chris Farley would have done a better job. But here's what happened. Chris Farley had done 85% of the lines of that movie. So it was already almost done when he died. And he died, I think, in 1997. 
And they didn't know what to do because they, the whole thing was based on Chris Farley. So they thought, well, let's stick with the the Saturday Night Live motif. And they called Mike Myers, and he's done that voice many times even before Shrek. And he said, well, why about do, do my uh, my Scottish voice? And they said, well, maybe. Let's give it a try. So they did. So imagine if he had done that extra 15% of those lines, they would have had a full movie. They probably still would have made the movie with Chris Farley uh, post-mortem because, you know, anytime an actor dies while making a movie, if you have all that person's lines done or scenes done, they almost always release the movie with that person because people want to see, oh, this was their last, this was their last gasp, this is their swan song. And the movies usually do a little bit better because of that because people want to see it. So I'm sure they would have still used Chris Farley, but they couldn't because he wasn't done doing the lines. And to their benefit, the people who made this, I think it's DreamWorks, they they created a franchise after this that never would have been made otherwise had they not used Mike Myers, who, again, I think was quite a bit better, but I'd love to know your thoughts. So short little segment there to end the show, but I still found it pretty interesting. Not more interesting than Carol Baskin's statement to me that she gave regarding all of the news that Don Lewis, her husband, is alive. If you want to hear all of that, go back, get the podcast. You can hear that whole segment at the end of last hour. Otherwise, I bid you adieu, and we will see you next week on Wiggins America. Get more at 971talk.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.